the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. Hello, welcome to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality and the future of the internet, otherwise known as the metaverse. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. By 2030, 58% of our global workforce will be made up by millennials and Gen Z. Gen Alpha will be entering the workforce at this time and will also have the largest population of people over 60 ever, many of whom will still be working. In addition, 59% of experts believe that organizations will continue to reduce their real estate footprints in favor of short-term leases, co-working spaces, and continued home working. So we are looking at having the most disparate workforce ever with varying levels of expertise, experience, expectations, and locations. Organizations are going to need new solutions to bring people together to enable collaboration, communication, and training, as well as ways to create a sense of camaraderie and culture that is so important to attracting and retaining talent in an increasingly competitive workscape. Meta-hybrid, a term I use to describe the future of work, is about creating one seamlessly integrated, consistent, and stimulating experience across all areas of work, including physical, digital, and now also the virtual. When we work together in virtual spaces as avatars, we may find it's easier to concentrate on the things that we all have in common, rather than making conscious or subconscious judgments based on someone's age or physical appearance. AI is also going to play a significant role in all of this. A recent study by MIT found that by giving workers access to a generative AI assistant, they became 14% more productive. And by using the bot, workers with only two months of on-the-job experience became equally competent to those with six months experience. When I was starting out in the workforce, I did a range of internships, which put me in an office setting where I learned by assisting, but I also learned by osmosis, picking up the subtleties of human interactions in professional settings, learning to anticipate needs and becoming intuitive and proactive about the holes that I could fill. And these little things added up to be the building blocks that have eventually gotten me where I am today. With the last couple of years of COVID and remote and hybrid models continuing to be the norm for many businesses, we need to look for ways we can provide the next generations with the same skills training and opportunities that were available to previous generations. And I believe that technology is going to fill this gap and not only enable future generations to grow, but also to thrive in this meta hybrid future of the workplace. 
Today, I'm delighted to have with me someone who is playing a key role in making this future happen. Sarah Philippic is the CEO and founder of Be Humane, a company that builds AI-driven experiential learning platforms for developing life success skills. The Life Atlas platform offers immersive game-like scenarios where students can learn and practice and schools can measure their progress. To share with us more about her vision for the future of education and empowering the next generation to enter the workforce, I am so thrilled to welcome Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Amelia. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure. So to begin, can you tell us a bit about your company and Be Humane and what your mission is? Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure. So uh, we are dedicated to empower the next generations in harnessing technology for social and emotional growth. So as you said, we are building an AI-driven experiential learning where students are able to learn by doing. So imagine yourself being a, a socially anxious Gen Z who has struggles with interactions in real life. Well, you can now go into our platform where, can you, where you can practice your skills by going through the series of scoring simulated scenarios that are replicating real life that are in which you can immediately get the feedback about your social skills, about your emotional management, all with the purpose for you to learn how to use technology for the benefit of your development. So students are then able to practice and test. And after they complete a series of scenarios, a portals open up in which they, they can enter to go and practice those skills in real life. So we recognize the importance of teaching this new generation soft skills in both the virtual and in the real world. So that is what we are doing within the Humane. That's really cool. And just so we're all on the same page, how do you define soft skills? And why do you think there's a need for this kind of education? So soft skills are uh, personal attributes that enable someone to interact effectively and harmoniously with other people. So as we know today, because of the technology usage, we are witnessing an increase in social anxiety, in depression, even in suicide rates, all is related to this increase of the social isolation that we are witnessing now within our society. So it's becoming increasingly important to teach this new generation how to interact effectively and how to reconnect both on the human to human level and human through technology level. So we recognize that as the biggest importance for today's society for making sure that we continuously grow in a harmonious way as a society. That's great stuff. And how did you get in? interested in this industry? What's your background? How did you come to be a founder of this incredible company? Yeah, well, um, I'm, I come from a social work background. So most of my time has been spent to work with teenagers and in a school social work. And somewhere on my second year of college is when I realized that most of our clients actually struggle with social and emotional management. And I was thinking to myself, okay, what is the best way to go about preventing these problems to happen in the first place? And I came across social and emotional learning. So I became obsessed with it. I started to use it within my own personal growth. I started to conduct research studies to see the impact of social and emotional learning on students' development in various different countries. 
And because I was working in a Gen Z social startup at the time, I've done a lot of market research and I've noticed the trend of a negative impact of technology usage on social and emotional development of youth. So I kind of decided to uh, combine the, my two passions, one being social and emotional intelligence and other being technology. And I came up with the term emotionally intelligent usage of technology, which was the basis of my master's uh, research. And in that research, we came across interesting findings that even though technology is negatively impacting students' emotional development in real life, they're in the, at the same time creating new skills that in virtual realities. Because Gen Zs are the first digitally native generation, they find the way that they to build the new skill set by themselves. But still, they identify that they need guidance and education. So after conducting the research, publishing the study and building curricula, which we tested with high school students, both me and my co-founder were kind of brainstorming and we decided to build a platform where so that we can meet students where they actually are, which is mostly in digital spaces. So Be Humane was born out of the combination of my research and my co-founder's technical knowledge and understanding of our the population that we are working with. Yeah, it's fascinating. Some of the stats I've found about Gen Z, I think I saw a recent study showed that over half of them would prefer to hang out in virtual spaces rather than physical spaces with their friends. And, um, and over half also said that they identify more with their avatars than they do with mm -hmm. the way they are physically, which is just so fascinating. Um, so I think yeah. you're right about kind of meeting them where they are to connect with them and, and help them learn in a style where they're already feeling perhaps even more comfortable than they do in physical settings. Exactly. But I think that what is important is that we leverage those technologies to help them build the confidence back in the real life. Because half of the problem is uh, they just didn't practice so much those skills in real life. Because especially when the COVID hit, you know, and the social isolation was something which was imposed by the governments, they just didn't have the opportunity to socialize and practice. So the the power of technology is to bring us back together in both the physical and the digital format. Yeah, makes sense. So can you walk us through what the user experience of the Life Atlas platform is, both from a yes. student perspective and a teacher perspective, and also what the schools are uh, being able to glean and how they're able to benefit from this? So from the student perspective, the most important aspect is that they are learning through these game-like challenges. So they have basically, once when they enter the platform, they are asked a series of questions, which are like, what is your intention for being within the game for this time being? And how much time are you planning to spend? Because we've recognized the importance of building that awareness component. One of the core skills that we are teaching is called purposeful usage of technology, which is basically ingraining this new way of thinking of intentionality. So why am I actually going to use technology? What is the purpose and how much time do I want to spend within? Because we've recognized that, you know, most of the time we use technology in a habitual way. 
So you don't even, you're not even aware that you're actually grasping the phone for the fifth time in the last two minutes just to scroll on the same platform. So first of all, students enter our platform, they set the intention, they set the time, and then they go and have a series of uh, scenarios which are connected to the seven skills that, that we are teaching. So they can learn about social awareness, they can learn about relationship management, they can learn about um, disciplined usage of technology. So depending on what kind of skills they're learning in their curricula at the time, that is what is being shown to them within the game. And after they go through the, uh, through the scenarios, like I said, the portals open up and then they're encouraged to go back into real life where our app is then guiding them to be practicing those skills in a peer-to-peer -peer context. So we are closing that loop by providing that testing ground. You can practice, you learn from the interactions with non-player characters, from the from their feedback on your uh, skills development process. And you can also, so imagine one scenario that we are teaching is basically you have a group of students that are communicating after school and one of the students is going through a hard time at home and he wants to share that story with their friends. But you as a player character keep getting notifications on your phone and being interrupted. And you have a choice then whether or not you're going to check your phone or you're going to ignore it. So in case if you check your phone and ignore what your friend is trying to uh, uh, share with you, uh, they get offended and they leave the conversation. And with now, the, with the possibilities, with the integration with AI, you are then able to go to that friend and apologize and practice those communication skills of, like, we program into the non-player character as an offended uh, teenager that just got denied of their presence of their friend. And they're able to then see how that communication of apology would be going and practice that. Um, and when it comes from the teacher's point, uh, points, we are actually providing them a novel tool to augment traditional teaching methods. So they have insights into students' learning and their emotional growth by checking their progress, by uh, being able to create different paths for their learning. So it depends on the curricula, on the space where they are in, in this classroom that can be adapted to what kind of learning journey students are having within the platform. So teachers are able to control and measure their success rates. And from the th third, from the uh, school perspective, basically we are pioneering educational technology by giving them uh, this critical life skills uh, measurement system where they can track the overall development of students. So it's enabling them to track their um, like wholesome development. It's, it's basically one of the biggest problems with schools actually is what we found that they're finding that it's very hard to measure the success rate of the soft skills development part. And with these gamification frameworks and the point system and learning by doing, you can easily see where your students are in the progress bar. And by them in, in that way, uh, have a more personalized approach to them and encourage them to um, have different paths and, and nurture that with them. I love that you've thought about that entire ecosystem, both inside the digital and virtual realm, as well as 
the physical realm. Um, could you tell us a bit more about that kind of gamification aspect, that incentivization for the students to to participate in this? And I don't know, do they level up? Do they go on to different levels or how's that work? Yes, 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 of course. So uh, when you look at the our app, so app is built so that students are practicing the skills in real life. So there are specific levels that are attached to uh, the skills that they're teaching, they're learning. And once when they complete the series of like basic levels, they're then able to upgrade their uh, avatar's appearance. So we wanted to make sure that everything you do in real life then reflects in your virtual environment. So if other students are going to know that you are in a like sixth level by the amount of clothes that you can change and wear, because we didn't want it to create yet another uh, mechanism where students are like comparing themselves on the success rates of their skills development. We actually wanted to create a collaborative environment where students can know by the cool looks of their other people's avatar that they can help them in resolving other tasks. Because important uh, aspect of soft skills development is that peer-to-peer socialization aspect where you are able to then learn from others. So by leveling up and having those kind of different appearances and ability to access different rooms within our virtual environment, then other students are also able to learn from you and see, okay, I can go and ask Amelia, how can I pass this task? So the gamification there is, yes, to make it more fun, for them to have that experience of leveling up in their life skills, but it's also there to encourage others to help each other on their journeys. That's so cool. I love that. And can you tell us a bit more about the XR part of your offering? Yes, of course. Uh, So XR goes back to the importance of upgrading soft, soft skills by teaching them in both the virtual and the real world. So the digital aspect, so we are, our Life Atlas is a platform that is, um, it's a cross platform. So you can use it through your web browser. You can use it through the goggles. You can use it on your phone. The importance is to constantly encourage that soft skills development in different aspects and areas of your life. So the uh, virtual part in, uh, that you can access through the web browser or the goggles is there to provide that immersive learning experience of practicing and testing so that you can have as much as confidence and you, as you can gain through the virtual aspect to then embody that in the real life. So again, after you complete a series of scoring simulated scenari- scenarios, the portals open up so that it's kind of like a cool, seamless experience and your avatar enters the portal, and then you get the notification on your app, and that that continues to guide you on the tasks that you do in real life. So we are now also practicing um, implementation of uh, augmented reality, so that students have something like, um, how we look at it, it's like a Pokemon Go, but for developing social skills. So you have a different, uh, places to go and visit where your friends are hanging out, where the, the phones are going to recognize that they're close to each other, and then you need to do collaborative tasks. So we want to encourage, again, to make sure that they're practicing that in both realities. Very cool. Yeah, I love that idea. And that's becoming very popular, that trend with especially Gen Z at the moment. Um, 
there's an app called Spot Selfie, and it's aimed at university students. And it is about connecting with other students in your physical location through augmented reality. So you can have in-person, real-life conversations and also exchange information and buy and sell things. And uh, and so I think that's really, really clever and smart to be um, going into that area as well. How cool. Thank you. So you were recently named a leader of tomorrow by the St. Gallen Symposium in Switzerland. Congratulations. That's awesome news. And wondering if you could share with us what some of the key themes or takeaways from the symposium were. Yeah, of course. Um, well, we were talking about three, three main domains. So it was future of education, uh, sustainability and equality. And I participated mostly in the future of education, so I can share more about what we've learned in those three days during symposium about the future of education. So one thing was there was a lot of conversation about shifting from diploma-centric education to, to certifying acquired knowledge. So it, it's becoming more and more important to actually look into the skills skill set and skill base. And one thing that we were talking a lot about was, okay, so what are some skills that are irreplaceable by technology? And often the conclusion came back to that humane skills. So the emotional intelligence is becoming increasingly important. Uh, critical thinking is becoming increasingly important. Um, and also how we interact with technology. So how do we learn to use AI? How do we learn to use VR and all of this technology to basically benefit our development? Uh, the next thing that we were talking a lot about was the collaborative curriculum building. So meaning that we now see the importance in involving all the stakeholders to ensure the relevance and ad adaptability of the curricula that is being built for the students. Because as we know, the current education system is very outdated and is teaching skills that are no longer as relevant as they were 30, 40 years ago. And students are being bored in the classrooms. So we now have the technology that is enabling us to involve students as well in the curriculum building processes. And that goes to that co-creation. So the importance of involving students into the curricula development is to give them that autonomy, to, gain, to help them to gain the confidence and agency and build that kind of confidence that they are able to be part of this type of decision making and therefore every other in their other areas of life. And then, of course, we're talking a lot about the addressing mental health issues. So how it's becoming increasingly important to prioritize mental health in the education system. Uh, and upskilling and lifelong learning were also one of the topics. So basically embody within the educational system uh, the, the um, guiding thought for students that learning is a lifelong event and that we basically need to encourage them to learn how to love learning. And lastly, something that we talk a lot about here is the harnessing the power of technology, which is basically equipping the future generations to harness technology effectively and again for the benefit of their overall well-being. I love that you involve the students in the process of coming up and with the program and developing it with you, because I really believe that with this generation, having grown up with 
responsive technologies, they have been trained to be responsive themselves. And I think within these world building games like Roblox and Minecraft, um, they have developed their own agency and authority and influence inside these spaces. And so, you know, in real life, turning 16 or 18 or 21, it's not as sort of significant because they already have that authority and agency within their virtual lives. So I can see that being um, really played into some of the strengths that they already have. And I love that idea of converting that bit back into the physical world, which is so important. Exactly. It's actually fascinating how, how uh, the magic that happens when you ask teenagers and younger students what it is that they want. And I remember when we first started to test our curricula, it was like, okay, so we all understand that there are some problems about usage of technology, like what it is that you identify, recognize that it's important for you to understand better. And most of the students were actually having such a great ideas about the different ways that they can learn social skills and how they go about the emotional management in this new uh human technology symbiosis and they were saying like you know no one is talking to them about it no one is asking them what they want what they need so it's like but there's so many ideas coming out of them i mean we're talking about a generation that's been using youtube to self-educate since they were like nine years old of course they have more agency and autonomy over their thinking and and creativity to understand what it is that is better for them to compare to what it is that we are offering them. So I'm just fascinated by how how smart and creative and, and innovative this new generation is. But we are just so programmed to, to look at youngers as it's like, yeah, we need to give them all the guidance. We need to give them, say them everything they need to do. But it's actually involvement of them is where the magic happens. Yes, I absolutely agree. And one thing I try to remind my clients is, you know, today they might be kids and students and gamers, but tomorrow they're going to be our customers and our colleagues and our competitors. So these great ideas are going to go somewhere, you know, and um, and it might go to <laughs> a company or it might go to them, you know, you never know. So, so question about working with this age group. Are there... Are there extra considerations or precautions that you need to take around security and privacy? How do you ensure that your platforms remain a safe space for everyone involved? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, it's different in the United States where we are now primarily focused to, to the Europe, but there are already the guidance and um, compliances around the usage of technology in education. And some of them are like in Europe, we talk about the GDPR, then we have uh, FERPA. So they're basically, and just just recently, they also published both in European level, the guidance about usage of AI within the education and what are some use cases that are ethical and some that are not considered to be um, good for the students themselves. And the United States actually also followed those instructions from, I think it was the uh, UN who published it first in Europe. I have to double check that information. But basically um, within Life Atlas, we are creating something which is called the AI Personality Lab. 
which is our internal platform where we are testing the prompts that we are feeding our non-player characters with. So before we give to students anything to play with, we are going through our extensive research ourselves to make sure that the personalities that are programmed into non-player characters actually have uh, no un unwanted behavioral side effects. Uh, so we are constantly like looking into how to test and program internally before we are giving anything to students. And we have a set of um, a smaller group of students that we are piloting with that have been with us from the beginning that are providing us feedback and we have their parents' permission to be involved in the testing. So before we start with the massive pilot testing, we are definitely going to make sure that we have the uh, lawyers' advice on what are some guidelines that we need to make sure that we have embedded within the platform. And then also it's just about creating this safe environment where basically students are able to learn and grow, um, which is prior to, uh, which is tested before it's released with our small, smaller groups. Yeah, the innovations in AI around non-player characters, it's like every day, I think today, uh, NVIDIA, 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 um, just released a new announcement about how they're um, working to fill those characters out. It's really interesting, uh, cool place to be. Yeah. So yes. you and I first met through the All Tech is Human Mentorship Program, and it's been amazing to see everything that you are going on to achieve, so I'm really proud of you. Um, Thank but you. what advice do you have for others who understand that we are at a pivotal place in our relationship to technology and they want to be at the forefront of being a leader when it comes to technology responsibility. Um, what's your advice for them, especially, you know, people who maybe have children and, um, and want to be good role models and maybe want to implement some boundaries? What, what's your advice to people? One advice that I always give when it comes to working with uh, with children is educate yourself on the cognitive development of your kids. And especially, you know, as a first time parent or even in the classroom, sometimes I feel like that teachers are um, not aware of the different cognitive development stages and their roles. And I think it's important to understand, you know, where is a child, where like where is at which pivotal point of the child's brain development is it, are they so that they can understand different concepts around the technology usage. Um, and in, in that it comes also with um, the ethical considerations. So what are some uh, ethical usage? And I feel like that Old Tech is Human is doing a really great job in, about that, having a great conversation about what is uh, actually moral to use technology for, in which way, and Center for Humane Technology is also talking a lot about that in, in terms of the social media usage. So the problem that we've seen with the Gen Zs is that they were just released onto technology. So there was no guidance, there was no education, there was no understanding on how to use technology for their benefit before they were given the devices to use them. And even in our research, one of the teenagers said that like he compared it to uh, learning how to uh, drive a car. 
And he said, I go, I go to the school to learn how to drive a car. I have this th theory that I need to learn. Then adults are uh, first guiding me with, uh, before I even step in front of, uh, like before I start to drive a car myself. And with technology, it's just like, here it is. Here are the devices. Learn how to use it. There's no critical thinking. There's no reflection points. So I feel like that involving uh, students and kids in the conversation about how do you feel when you use technology, um, what it is about it that is so interesting to you. Um, and there is a, like one of the scientifically proven methods that is the most effective for usage of technology with younger kids is actually co-viewing. So co-viewing is having a parent figure or an adult next to the kid asking them questions um, and then after that like reflecting okay what did we learn through this game what was so fascinating about it it's like you can think about it is that's like their whole world like they go into this environment into the game or into the social media and that is their role. So naturally, as a parent or educator, you want to be interested in the children's roles, like what is actually happening in your world. So just by already having those kind of um, conversation points, we are encouraging that critical thinking with them. And then also with when it comes to the responsible technology um Coming back to the social and emotional intelligence aspect, uh, how can we leverage these potentials of this technology for the benefit of the social and emotional skills? So having them um, like building that awareness points, um, what were the nuances of the conversations when you were in Minecraft or when you were in Discord or when you're talking to someone in, through Instagram DMs? Like, how do you know that someone is feeling either happy or sad and just trying to understand um, their emotional footprint within, within those different um, forms of communication? Um, and lastly, what I would say is that one thing that I feel like it's really important that we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation is the intentionality, like being purposeful, being like understanding, okay, there is so much potential that comes from using technology. But if we just go on to it all the time in that habitual way, I, I'm sure we all are guilty of it. You lose so much time. You end up doing something completely different to what it is that you started to do initially. So self-awareness and that awareness component in our interactions with technology is something which really can prevent a lot of negative side effects. So I would always go back to that and practicing that awareness within the technology usage. And when you were saying that just now, I had to think about, um, I think often parents sometimes can use technology as a distraction, you know, here, take the iPad, take the phone, go away, be quiet. <laughs> and, and actually, your point that they need to be parented and guided through these experiences and technology, not just let loose in these spaces, um, I think is really powerful. And I love your use of the term emotional footprint. That's a really interesting concept that I never really thought before, but you're spot on with um, identifying that. Thank you. So I want to ask you a bit of a personal question. Um, so last week or last 
month, <laughs> I interviewed Dr. Louise Froberg of TerraQuest, and that's an immersive platform that trains professional women in leadership skills. And I was startled to find out that only 15% of executive roles in technology are filled by women, and that a third of women in technology quit in the first year. And I just wanted to know from you, how have you found this industry so far? And do you see it improving? Do you think it's getting worse? And what do you think we can do better to encourage this next generation of women to get into this area? Yeah, of course. Uh, it is something that I think a lot about. Um, I'm about to go to LA Tech Week next week. And last time that I was there, uh, it was a it was a very interesting experience because uh, uh, as a European, I have a uh, quite of a strong fashion style, so I always like to overdress for events. And uh, I would often be approached during that time, uh, being asked either whose girlfriend am I, uh, and which VC fund am I from. Uh, I like the VC part because, I mean, okay, I look like I have money just because I have a good dressing style. But uh, the girlfriend part was a really, uh, you know, uncomfortable uh, encounter because, you know, that judgment that just because, um, you know, uh, you look in a certain way and you're amongst this um, tech industry people, um, you know, there's just this pre... Um, conception about who you are as a person and I uh, in different cities I experienced it differently across both Europe and the United States but I can certainly say that it is still a problem even though I do feel like there is a lot of initiatives and a lot of more VC funding going towards female founders a lot of accelerators are increasing their rates of of um, accepting female founders into their co cohorts. Uh, so there's definitely like a lot of more conversation about the power of female leadership and actually, you know, talking about emotional intelligence, um, something that we are naturally better at and understand more. Uh, but at the same time, I found that it is important to not to go now again to the other extreme. Uh, so I feel like we need to have that balance uh, female-male ratio and see how we can coexist and learn from each other and be better leaders and um, be, you know, have a larger impact because we are able to tap into the potential and the uh, natural uh, skills and abilities of both genders. Uh, but yeah, I definitely also experienced like being asked different set of questions because I'm a female founder. And I feel like there's still that um, stereotype around it. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely getting better. It's getting better. And I feel like that we, de we have to encourage more uh, existing female leaders to go out and talk about their stories, where they came from. And it, like when I, when I opened my company, I also opened an Instagram account. I started blogging and I just wanted to become more you know, active just so that just to showcase, you know, I'm a uh, social worker from Croatia. I have not ever studied entrepreneurship. Um, you know, no one in my family is entrepreneur. Um, there was nothing about my upbringing or, 
my education that should have put me where I am today in my life. But there were other, you know, impactful figures, people that seen potential within me that nurtured that potential. There was a lot of, you know, self-educated parts that were due to the figures that I was looking up to. One of them being for me, Brené Brown, which is a social worker that got a, a quite of a platform after her, her TED Talk. And just seeing like, how can we use again, these technologies, mediums, to inspire others from different walks of life to participate in this um, entrepreneurial uh, wave that we are now uh, amidst and contribute to their with their different type of skill set because now especially with with the AI and with um, all the new emerging technologies that are being built. Uh, we need to include more different professions into the conversations to contribute to building more ethical technology moving forward. Because as we know from the past, uh, it was mostly developers building tech for usage of the global scale population. And we all have seen what kind of um, downsides came with that. So I think that now more than ever, we have the opportunity to involve different walks of life and we are seeing that more and more. So I think it's a beautiful time to be allowed to be an entrepreneur. And uh, I feel like we are getting in a really right direction with, with everything. That is very encouraging to hear. Yeah, I think we have gone through the experience of seeing what happens when there's not enough representation of diversity at the table. And now we have the opportunity to right some very long coming wrongs, you know, that have been perpetuated throughout the years. So I do hope that we see more women like you um, with the courage and the guts to um, to be a founder. I think that's really inspiring. And, um, and I'm very proud of all you've achieved. So um, what is next for you and Be Humane? Well, Be Humane is about to be a part of, of a one Harvard's course where we are uh, going to help students to learn about entrepreneurship through our use case. Uh, so through the Switzerland Symposium, I got invited to be a guest lecturer at the course for uh, social entrepreneurship. So we are now going more amidst that social impact funds, uh, social impact community, and uh, leading with the example in, in the space of the social and emotional skills in both virtual and real world. Um, we are also soon releasing our MVP that we are going to be testing with students and with schools. And yeah, we're very excited about this new version of our platform and with all the integration with our AI personality lab and exploring like what what is the potential from uh, learning about um, different uh, walks of lives and the communication styles from the emphases that we program with with different personalities. So a lot of excitement around the platform part, technology part, and we are doing some great collaborations with uh, experts and researchers from the field of digital wellness that are going to work with us on the knowledge base. So we are soon are going to start releasing more blog posts that are going to be educating people and and popular um, using science in a more mainstream way to help people to understand what are some scientific uh, scientific 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 
based methods for teaching how to use technology in a more effective and uh, beneficial way for their for students development so a lot of cool stuff in the tech department in the collaborations in 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 um, bringing more of the awareness around the this problem so we are very excited about everything that that is ahead of us that's great news it does sound quite exciting so my final question for you is looking at the bigger picture for a minute what is your biggest fear for the future of this industry and then what is your biggest hope well i would say that uh, my my biggest fear is that uh, technology is going to continue to divide us and that there are going to be um, inequalities within the systems because of the biases of the algorithms, especially when it comes to the usage of AI. Um, so I feel like that it's very important to continue to have conversations about uh, the diversity of thought and diversity of cultures and how we can make sure to feed the algorithms more with that kind of uh, input so that we ensure the uh, to minimize the inequalities within the usages of AI and the output, output that we are uh, given from interacting with it. Um, also, when it comes to uh, these new generations that um, I feel like that what I'm fearing is that parents are going to continue using technology as a means to um, distract their kids uh, when they're busy with their lives without understanding the, the negative side effects. Uh, but at the same time, I am very optimistic about this uh, new um, uprise of the knowledge of the importance of knowing how to use technology and their advancements in the space that are helping us to actually foster it for the benefit of all, particularly in educational sector. I feel like that there is a lot of more collaboration happening in between educators, policymakers, innovators in the fields and initiatives such as, again, All Tech is Human and all the work that you are doing by inviting different um, stakeholders and ex experts from different fields to have this conversation and bringing the awareness to masses about uh, the importance of understanding how to use technology in a better way. And ultimately, like I'm hoping that more people are and society will learn how to foster usage of usages of technology in a responsibly and humanly manner. Thank you. That was great. And for listeners who want to get involved to trial the platform or just to speak to you further, what's the best way for them to get in touch or to follow you? Yeah, so we have a um, website, lifeatlas.io, where is um, where everyone can uh, add themselves to the waitlist to test the new version of our platform. We are posting a lot of new content on the blog on behuman.co as well. So, um, and of course, anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, so my name is uh, Sara and the last name is F-I-L-I-P-C-I-C. And I'm also very active on Twitter, which is uh, Sara.F-I-L-I-P-C. So I'm always open to have these conversations and I'm intrigued to learn from others. So I'm happy to chat with anyone.
Great. Thank you so much, Sarah. A very inspiring talk today. And thank you all for listening or watching wherever you are. And I look forward to being back with you next month. Take care.